0: Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, the podcast that absolutely, definitely didn't promise to be back on Monday last week.
1: Hello, listeners, it's Tuesday. Happy birthday, Chris!
0: Thank you. It was indeed yesterday. I am now a year older. I'm thirty-eight. But hey, that's that's enough of that. Let's move on very swiftly because it's only going to increase by the years rather than go backwards. Anywho, as you probably guessed, I've got Phil with me this evening and Jez as, as usual. So evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. Uh, right, we've got um, plenty to get stuck into about the weekend's results and uh, also a little bit about some, a few bits and bobs about transfer situations and a bit of Coup de France as well. So let's get going. I want to um, start, unfortunately, it sort of feels like we, we do this most weeks, but the weekend's, or the game of the weekend for me, was the victory for Monaco over over uh, Marseille. And, of course, we'll come on to the, the derby, which was also a highlight. But I thought this game had it all. And we'll come on to Monaco in a minute because I want to give them a lot of praise. But, uh, Jez, I want to start with the OM situation. 3-1 win in the end for Monaco, who uh, certainly turned this game on its head. They even got on to Rodonjic, much against the run of play. Maripan scored, I think it's his third goal in four games, which is nuts, sure many. Uh, taking advantage of some really poor goalkeeping, I thought, from Mandanda from to score. The second before, Steven Jovetic absolutely thunderblasted the uh, the third free kick to make it 3-1. Um, so
1: that's a coupe de canon in yeah.
0: French,
1: is blasted, and that definitely was one.
0: It reminded me of the uh, Footlock Attraction Engine Alan Partridge sketch. But, uh, Shit! Yeah, Probably the only thing that, uh, that uh, Steven Jovetic has done in, in the last year, but uh, fitness issues aside. Um, just, just talking about Marseille, a lot's been going on and it feels like we're, we're getting to the point where possibly a, a change is going to happen. We had the interesting debate this week of uh, Andre Villas-Boas basically coming out and saying it's not unusual for players to not get on. And he was speaking about the, the sort of feud between... Dimitri Paye and uh, Florian Tovan, which you can enlighten our listeners on a little bit, and it's hilarious. But what, what, where? Well, I just, I just don't really understand. We, we predicted, didn't we, that that Marseille would drop the points in the games in hand. They've done exactly that. They've fallen away once again. They were an embarrassment in Europe. Fans are now starting to get angry once again. Why, why is it that this just continues to happen? They've signed one of. Sort of the better strikers in in Europe this week in in Milik, and he must be looking around thinking, well, "What on earth have I come into here? Where does where does this change, and does it change with the departure of ES Boas Do you feel?
2: Um, I think it, it probably has to, but I mean, it's certainly not just him. the The problem <laughs> is, as as we said, I think so many times that I think they they massively overachieved last year. I don't think it's a Champions League quality squad, and. I think he did a, a fantastic job getting them to second place. Obviously, we, we don't know if they'd have finished there if the season had gone to its, its full term. But, um, you know, even being second at that stage of the season was a fantastic achievement. And also, when you consider that Torman was pretty much out for the for the whole season, it makes it all the more impressive. Um, but I think that there's various elements. I think now that a few of the players are kind of finding their level um Payet who will get back to has done his usual thing of you know he's secured himself a a nice new contract and now he doesn't give a shit um and I think Villas-Boas the kind of manager he is he's sort of a little bit like Mourinho or even Favre I think they sort of a Bielsa maybe as well like kind of building tension within within his own squad and everyone's sort of so almost highly strung that you, you can't carry on at that sort of intensity for for too long and, and actually probably the, the first person that has lost it or certainly the person who lost it the most is actually him I and mean, you certainly can't expect the players to to sort of be approaching everything with a calm level head if if he hasn't got that kind of control over himself let alone over the players Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the usual stuff going on in the background, you know, there's the fact that he practically left in the summer, then changed his mind at the last minute, his ally Zuba Zaretta Diddley, which was a thing that was meant to trigger his departure, um, so there's a little bit of instability there. I think Ero is pretty unpopular all the way through the club, um, so I just, there's not much work in there. And I th- Again, it's just the fact that Marseille are always like that. As we said last week, everything's sort of black or white. And so either everything's ticking along beautifully or everything's in crisis and everything needs to change. I don't think everything needs to change, but um, probably, unfortunately, because I do think he's a very good coach, it feels like the end of the road for Villas-Barras. And a lot of the... the playing staff needs a big overhaul but without the money or certainly without bringing money in for certain players and to be fair they have got a few injuries to contend with at the moment as well um that there's only so much change that that can happen
0: Mm. yeah yeah i think that's that's well put and longoria there's sort of talk that he's actively seeking out replacements now and there's sort of talk of Valverde, who's the coach of Sevilla, who's being linked. Why on earth he would leave that job when they're on the up to join Marseille? I don't know. But I guess there is a bit of a pull in terms of the history of the club. But it does just seem like a, a little bit of a mess on the mm. on the flip side of that, though, Phil. Um I want to give some praise to Monaco because... They just continue to impress me. Uh, can we can of... we
2: still talk about po- Tovan Payet play after?
0: Oh yeah, we we can oh. certainly <laughs> mention yeah yeah well, the the long and short of it. I mean, Jess, did you want to fill people in on on what's actually happened between these two?
2: Well, I mean, basically, they obviously are the big stars of of Marseille. So, when things have sort of worked out reasonably well in in recent years, a lot of it is because one or both of them is playing well they're sort of reliant on them as the two playmakers. But at the moment, not only are both of them playing pretty badly, but it doesn't help that they're they're sort of uh, open war with each other. And apparently it was kind of triggered by Payet sort of publicly having a go at, at Tova recently and saying he's, very, he's too selfish and only <laughs> looked after, his, he's only interested in his own stats, which may or may not be true, but one of those stats is that he, at least at the time, was the leading sister in France, which suggests that he's not actually that selfish after all. Um, certainly, whatever stats he's got are infinitely better than Payet's this year, because um, Payet has spent most of his time eating with the pies rather than playing football. Um, Payet himself is sort of in an open feud with uh, Villas-Boas as well, because he was quite rightly dropped for a complete lack of form. Then, when he came on as sub and, and changed the game against Montpellier, he sort of very publicly uh, told Villas-Boas what he thought about that. Villas-Boas well, has, yeah. has clearly not taken his side because he still hasn't got back into the starting lineup since then. Um, I think he was vice vice captain, but the other day when Montondo was injured, Villas-Boas possibly pointedly gave the captain's armband to Torvin. Um, I think it probably is fair to say that Tovat is also not at the summit of his form and he's definitely going to be leaving in the summer. Part of the reason he's going to be leaving in the summer is because you might remember that at the start of the COVID crisis, Payet was a bit of a laughing stock because he made this huge public fuss about how um, he and the Marseille players couldn't take a salary cut because they've got Commitments and people, you know, people don't understand that they 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 need to pay pay debts and bills and things like that. Um, the players all sort of stood in solidarity and w- with all of that. And then in the summer, um, Payet um, in. By the way, the gap between Zubizarreta and Longoria and apparently villas veras didn't know much about it either. It was just Payet, his agent, and Errol doing the, doing the business. And Errol really seems a, a genius. Um, basically came up came up with this new deal where Payet did take a pay cut in order to have a two-year extension and a guarantee that he can stay on at Marseille and be trained up as a sporting director afterwards. Lots of fuss and use of the phrase Marseille, a vie Marseille for life. Um, so basically, Payet seems like, although on the face of it, maybe... He did the noble thing by taking a pay cut, clearly he was very much looking after himself. And Tova basically publicly said in the changing room, when Payet had a go at him, he pretty much kind of stabbed us all in the back by by doing this deal and not telling any of the other players about it. So, yeah, the two of them aren't really getting on and neither of them are doing anything on the, on the pitch to kind of you know, let their football do the talking. So it's not great, and yeah, my mate René Malavee, he said, you know, they they both should be dropped.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I the the bit that got me was just the uh, the the sort of the, the poet um quotes of it. You're you, you're more interested in your what people think of you off the pitch. And I was like, well, that that's quite rich coming from you with various. Um, and, and, and I know it's trivial. I know it's a silly sort of thing, but when you have stupid haircuts for example it doesn't help do you know what i mean it it people look at you a different way and go well you know even if i know it has nothing to do with on pitchability but when you prance around and 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 you know you and you come out with fancy haircuts and and, and styles and it's looks not even and, a man bun. It's, no it's, it's not a, it's, it's, a it's just a mess
1: um it, yeah so i think you know we we maybe mentioned that one of their catch-up games, which we've been using to um, kind of ca- um, l- add caution or uh, what's the word, caveat the league, uh, that happened um, mm. and they lost at home to loss. They had deserve one it, they shot in the first half. Uh, apparently that's the lowest at home since Opta started recording in 2006-07. Uh, we all remember, obviously, their best away performance ever, which was zero shots uh, at all against PSG when uh, Garcia came in. Um, they went down to a goal from Banza on 59th minute, and it took until the 86th minute for their first shot on target. And frankly, they should have lost 2-0, but Callum Wendo, a uh, young 18-year-old, um, <clears> didn't <throat> get a rebound after Mandanda saved from him, so that was a really big oh dear feeling. To then head up the Monaco game, where obviously, as you said earlier, Monaco, Monaco just looked like they're having fun as mm. well, which is
0: nice. Yeah, so, that's uh, that's what that's that's the one thing I wanted to to sort of mention in in terms of the praise of Monaco. They they look like a side who. A well-drilled, uh, obviously we know about Niko Kobach but his brother Robert's on the coaching staff and there seems to be quite a good camaraderie between the two of them both on and off the pitch, the players seem happy there's a lot of young talent that that's emerging once again and, and there's players like you, you, we mentioned sort of Maripan, he's come in and taken his chance and has, has essentially displaced Desarcy, who was one of their biggest signings in the summer. So that sort of further confirms there's no favourites in this team. It's just about who's in form. Uh, it's lovely to see with Ben-Yedder uh, sort of thriving, although, you know, his, his goal return is, is sort of average compared to the season before. But his partnership with Kevin Volland is, is really coming on. And they just, they just look like a, a really fun side to watch again. And I, I feel like at the, the Volland interview that he gave recently where he sort of said, you know, if we've, we he said our first priority is we need to finish the top five, and if we do end up finishing third, fourth, second, or wherever, I thought, yeah, he didn't want to say first, but I sort of feel like Monaco are a little bit like that—that that team that just going to quietly go about their business and and just see how high they finish, and then maybe and, kick on. And the
1: thing is, they're quietly going about their business in fourth place. Mm. Such is the weirdness of Ligue One that they are not. You know doing this in mid table or anything but they don't seem to they don't seem to show much being under much pressure and with no, Holland obviously coming in he's really hit the ground running um putting some great performance I think we on French TV probably got the same interview he was speaking in German and looking at an iPad that's it yeah that's yeah one. um so you know that also seemed that you know they've got a good spirit going and, and stuff. So yeah, it's interesting to see, we've been talking about kind of the chaos at several other clubs. So because there is no, or crosses fingers, little chaos happening at Monaco that they're, they're just kind of getting on with things and they're doing it very well. Yeah. Um, their defense is still not brilliant. I think they're the worst in the top half um, with 30 conceded. But they are scoring a lot, and they're doing it where it counts. So they're on a good unbeaten run, and yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens next.
0: They'll always—they're they're always, they're always going to give you an entertaining game, but that's the one thing that you, when you tune into a yeah, Monaco there's game, always it's, a, it's gonna not going
1: to be a clean sheet.
0: No, I mean no. let's let's put it that way. And that's <laughs> but, the benefit of youth as well, isn't it? you've got young players who just go out without fear and, and look to play, and, and then and don't forget they're missing. You know, likes of of Fabregas, he might be in the twilight of his career, but he's an experienced pro. You, you know, they haven't got to sort of anchor that midfield. They let go of, of the likes of Glick and Subasic in the summer. That there's a lot of experience has gone, and it's allowing these young players to thrive. Um, that the sort of the one that I um, I kind of I, I kind of look at and I go, is he the next big star of French football? Is is Sofian Diop in that midfield as well? He's just uh, he's just a really fun player to watch. I love his his sort of dynamism. Um, and and in terms of sort of youthful uh, abandon, if you will, where it comes off brilliantly, that sort of leads us mostly on to, to the, the Rome derby, Phil, where it's not the same in terms of St Etienne. Who do, you, who do you blame? I mean, it ended 5 0 to Leon, a, a double for Marcelo, who we'll come on to in, in a bit, a double for Caduere, and He's an own centre-back. goal. centre back. I mean, he is, and, and scored two identical he goals. He should
1: not be allowed to score the same goal twice in a no. derby. It just, it was very worrying. I mean, the stats on this match
0: were. Should have been eight or nine, shouldn't it? Horrible.
1: I mean, Santatium were just terrible. I mean, the first goal, Caduere you know, unmarked on a corner, which I'm thinking is possibly not the best goal. And then they said, well, that's his third versus Santetti. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. This season, and then he got his fourth um, yeah. later on. I was like, this is this is not good. When you've got, you know, uh, at half time the shots was 11 to 2. At the end, it was 18 to 3. You know the the play was um, I was sent a you know a graphic of of the thirds of the play. It was eight percent was Yikes. was happening in the Leon um, end, and it's they just looked so clueless and I know that there are a lot of uh Covid issues but when you look at who was on the bench that was brought on later it looked like Puel set this game up scared rather than conservative mm-hmm. and then tried to bring people on late on to change it but it was too late by then mm-hmm. so yeah that was a I mean Leon fans are all probably delighted we've got um, Amir our uh, Le 12 on uh, on Twitter who uh, is our Lyon correspondent wonders if actually playing behind closed doors is helping them because of the usual febrile atmosphere of you know um, flares and signs and shouting and and so and so out that without the fans there they're actually just able to kind of get on with things a bit more and I think we possibly can't judge much from this match because South Southampton were frankly terrible.
0: Yeah,
1: and yeah. that is a worrying thing to have to say. Um, with people, I've got people asking me, "Are they going to go down?" And it's like, "Well, there's some pretty terrible teams below them, but yeah.
0: doesn't make for good reading, uh, does it? You
1: know, there's a five-point gap between them in 16th and Strasbourg. Mm. So that bottom five at the moment." And there's some games in hand down there as well against each other. Yeah, that's the key. That's all going to get very interesting. I think they they need everybody back fit and firing um, to be able to try to get themselves out of this. And, you know, fit maybe, but firing doesn't
0: look particularly likely at the moment. No, no, I agree. And, and, and all of this on the back of... The, the weird weirdest part of this game is that St Etienne should have been in front inside 30 seconds. That was the weird <laughs> point. They started so fast, and I think it was Roman Amuma. I think it was who was it, a Muma or was it uh, Boanga? I think it might have been Boanga, actually, might have got that wrong. But um, I think he came on as a sub or well, maybe so it would have been him in. Maybe it was Hammuma, yeah. Basically, whoever it was firing wide from a position where it really should have scored, like literally from the first attack from kickoff. And you think, well, if that goes in. Different story, but um it didn't go in, Jez. And uh Leon, who, you know, hold my hands up. I've been saying they haven't really convinced me for the past few weeks. They were without our for this game, um, one notable absentee. They went took incident? the game. I'll say again.
2: They're without our and one five nil coincidence.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, some some would say interesting. Um, interesting they maybe didn't need him in this particular game, but that was sort of the the, the major story pre game. Like
2: Takeray is in a different class to actually, isn't it?
0: and and he was very good in this particular game, um in cheek or not. But yeah, he was he was exceptional. As was the the Leon midfield. Um, sort of Gimarech has, has come on as well. Two goals for the rehabilitated Marcelo, as you mentioned. Identical free kicks, albeit the defending was poor. And Jesse Moulin certainly expressed his displeasure at the, when the goal went in by hammering the post, but um, this, this uh, represents what we we're seeing with with Leon in that they are, for me, they're a team that if they continue to play well and grind out the results and then take advantage of teams like they did in this particular game, that's the key. If they sort of drop, drop a disappointing result to somebody as they did against Mets, it was, it was always about how they, how they rebounded and, Winning, I believe this turns the tables, they're now forty-five, forty-four up in terms of the derby overall results. So it's the first time we've been in front of St. Etienne for a number of years. What what was your take on this game? Were you more impressed with how Leon dispatched St. Etienne or much like we sort of said previously of how St. Etienne just just failed to perform?
2: I think it's more about St. Etienne. I mean, their, their midfield, I think, has had some their starting midfield had some like twenty-eight appearances between them. Um, Scary, isn't it? That? So, yeah, I think. You no, know, I don't.
0: Again,
2: I, the ins and outs of all these COVID rules. It seems a little bit harsh that Lorient get get to put their feet up, and Saint Etienne are arguably <laughs> just as decimated and and still have to play these matches. So, I feel sorry for them to an extent. But Puel, um, I don't think, did them any favors with the team that he put out. By the way, I thought the strangest thing about this match was actually Jonathan Pearce saying that um, you only get two kinds of Claude Puel on the touchline: calm and even calmer. I and saw she, this. Um, he <laughs> laughed at that I as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I can't bear it. I can't. And five Allen. I just had.
0: He played for Marseille once, by the way. Did you know? I
2: don't know. All day. No. <laughs> See, this is what happens. When, this is what
0: happens when I'm so busy looking at other things. I'm looking at the name Marseille, and that's what comes out. Sorry, play, yeah, play for Bordeaux. But um, yeah, no, I picked up on that. Yeah, it, it's 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 lazy, isn't it? But I mean, yeah. in terms
2: of Lyon, I just yeah, they did the business, and considering that they have had a shaky two or three weeks, um, you know, it was good, and maybe slightly un to 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 react to last week's surprise defeat like that and you know dispatching their biggest rivals five near away is, is never to be sniffed at uh-huh. but you look at the goals I mean three four four of them came from set pieces which actually I think Lyon's first goal came from a corner it's the first time they scored from a corner in, since uh 2019 I think so yeah, there's, there's something to be taken from that but it wasn't all you know, scintillating uh, interchange or interplay or anything like that. So I don't think there's too much to take from this match alone, but there's a general thing of sort of keeping a a positive dynamic and bouncing back from a a surprise defeat. And the front three, Toko be is not in the best form but you know the front the front three still playing well the fact that the midfield you know you can bring in a you know Paqueta who's been superb recently he was missing our whatever you think of him he was missing you know there is there are other good players who can sort of come in and you know places can be swapped and, and they're still playing well so lots of positives there even to didn't look that bad although he didn't have much to to contend with so um yeah, I mean, you know, they're in touch with PS, PSG and Lille and the fact that their matches came afterwards meant that there was a little bit of extra pressure on them and, and they responded well to that. So it's all positive. I just think don't get carried away too much just because it was five new at Etienne.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can sort of only beat what's in front of you. It's it's kind of a bit like that, isn't it? It's kind of one of those situations. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I actually didn't think that Leon's front three were particularly electric in this game. Like Depay was quite quiet. As you say, Toko Kambe was, uh, had a bit of a mixed night, kind scored two goals. But when I say didn't do a lot else, that I don't mean that to be harsh. Like, he, you know, he did his job and, and he, he had some good movement, but he didn't do anything that sort of made you think, or you know he should have had more, or, or was dominating. I think he it, just it, took it's a situation
1: goals. where they didn't have to. I mean no. South at the end didn't get a shot on target in the match. They played with cigars as, far didn't as the object thing. goes. Yeah. So you know, don't 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 hit yourself. You know they they racked up their
0: uh, goal difference
1: with yeah, key, in yeah. a
0: sense not much effort needed. No. And and not a fakir in sight holding his shirt up either, which was a shame. Um, well, that's <laughs> the thing.
2: I think the last time they won 5 0 at St. Etienne was a massive, massive thing because that they, was that, now, wasn't it? Yeah. Two, I remember you know, more or less two, two cool teams. Yeah, they felt very obviously partly because of the crowd, but very, very different.
0: Yeah, hugely different game, yeah. And and it, was, it wasn't it was ever expected to be that. It was expected to be a lot closer, wasn't it? Whereas I think coming into this one, I, I sort of went into it thinking it's either going to be one of those nights where St Etienne turn up, a la when they play PSG, yeah. or going to get hammered. No, I stuck a quid
1: on it just for the lulls, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's, on the and grass, it's
1: one of those. if Leon are going to screw something up, this
0: could be it. But yeah. Yeah, I'll and just write that off. It's such a strange one as well. When you think that a derby match, you'd think would be the one to get them off the ground, but uh, it is what it is. As for Claude Puel, I mean, you know, no change at the moment. Oh, to be honest, I don't know what making a change at managerial level would do at this stage of the season. I don't know whether there would be anybody who'd be able to come in either. So we'll we'll watch that one with uh, with close interest. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Stranger things have happened in France, I would say that much. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at you, Nantes. But um, elsewhere in the title race, uh, to spare the pain, Phil, we'll just briefly gloss over the fact that PSG sort of wiped the floor with Montpellier, who, would be fair to say, were sort of hamstrung with Omlin sending off.
1: Well, yeah, it's
0: like, you know, we were expecting to lose
1: this match, but having your goalkeeper sent off on 20 minutes is kind of, not helping with the whole, let's at least try to make it look difficult thing, yeah. guys. Um, but it was okay. I mean, Mbappe got the first goal in 34 minutes. That was the only shot on target the PSG managed in the first half. So I was thinking, yeah, at least it might not look bad. And then they scored three goals in three minutes. Yeah,
0: that was just nuts, half. wasn't it? Yeah,
1: And I'm like, hey. I mean, it's- I think... Um, Berto, Dimitri Berto, who was the replacement goalkeeper who came on,
0: he did, did really a well.
1: reasonable job up yeah. until that flurry when it was Neymar, Ricardi, and Mbappe in three minutes.
0: Yeah, made um, a couple of really good
1: saves. So, you know, he,
0: he did what he could, but it, that yeah. was just pretty awful. It was almost like when the second went in, all the heads just dropped, and then Teji Savania limped off when there was no subs left available. And uh, sorry, uh, Teji Savania, Molly, uh, Molly, sorry, uh, limped off, and yeah. Savania um, was Icardi, left. Yeah. Icardi, own.
1: that was some really nice control on his goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was kind of interesting, quite apart from all the goals, was the goalkeepers. Obviously, Omlin went off, but at halftime, Navas went off and Rui yeah. came on. Uh, so it looks like he might be a bit knacked. Precautionary Navas. now, was, was the, the talk, thing is, but... Rico is pretty good as well, so that may not be that interesting, but it did seem to be kind of an odd an odd situation there.
0: Yeah, but I believe it's precautionary. Um, but yeah, I mean, Navas is clearly one of the best goalkeepers in Europe if you lose him, especially with the Champions League on the horizon. That would be a. I think a under concern. the
1: circumstances, you look at we're 1 0 up and playing against 10 man Montpellier who are in a dreadful run of form.
0: Let's it's not, not, not going it.
1: to make that much difference. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And and especially in Montpellier, as you say, with 10 men who were just looking to keep the score down uh, once that second, third and fourth went in in, in quick succession. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, PS, PSG sort of did what they had to do, um, as did Lille as well. We should touch on them, Jez. They uh, they got a 1-0 win over Rennes. The, the one thing I just wanted to ask you about was what you thought of the the tactics of uh, of of Gautier in this game, because basically Jonathan David scored the the winning goal. It's his second in consecutive games now after a bit of a bit of an error from Roman Salana in the, in the Ren goal. But Gautier's tactics pretty much once Nice, uh, Nice, once Leo went in front were pretty much let Ren have the ball and, see what they've got and they basically didn't have a lot uh, and that was just thought was a very interesting take you know normally you'd, you'd expect them to go after a game but they really just sat in and, and just let Bren play pretty patterns in front of them do you, you feel like that was an actual sort of Gautier managerial masterclass or was it just more of a we've got our goal and uh, you know we'll just protect it kind of element a bit of caution almost
2: I quite liked it. I mean I, th- I think both both teams have been Lille, Lille have been probably not, not their most Stellar form in recent weeks, scraping kind of yeah, wins against the lower ranked teams. So then they're, they're not at their most free-flowing. And Wren are were in their sort of best form of the season, I think like unbeaten in seven or something like that. So, but at the same time, I don't think a lot of them have not been the most amazing, most convincing victories either. So yeah, I think there probably was an element of you know, we've got a really strong defence at the moment. Botman and I think Bottman's just been superb. I think him and Font together um, have just been so strong. So I think there probably was an element of, um, yeah, sort of, we've got our win, pack up shot, show us what you've got. And as you said, maybe Brenner a little found out against a, a higher-ranked team. They weren't really playing with an out-and-out out centre-forward. Um, which doesn't help and it it does feel like it's been more the sort of midfielders maybe, albeit attacking midfielders coming up with the recent goals. Doku hasn't really settled yet, I don't think. Um, So, yeah, I I think Galtier probably played it very well and played to what are Lille's strengths at the moment. It might have not been the case earlier in the season, but I don't think Bomba's quite on the form that, that he was. I think the two Turks have been a little bit quieter as well, with Kone as well. So, yeah, I think at the moment, their strength is is the defence. That might change in, in, in weeks to come. But um I thought it was quite a clever move.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I yes. of,
2: the, of the front three, despite them only winning one nil, I think actually of the... Of the top threes results of the weekend i think this was the most impressive because it was on paper the hardest
0: yeah yeah that that was what impressed me about it it was it was sort of the 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 rigid structure and and sensible sensibleness is not a word but i've just created it but the the, the sense to, to not overcommit, essentially. And and I think I think it's a kind of an underrated tactic sometimes where you can just look at it and go, well, we've got our goal. You know, it might not be pretty, it might not be fun to watch, but we've got our goal and let's see what you've got. And Ren are not a particularly free-scoring free side, especially of late. So, yeah, it did seem to make a, a lot of sense. And, of course, that kept uh, Lille and PSG together, locked together at the top of the table. Lyon just behind two points adrift in third. And Monaco with their fourth straight winner up to... To fourth they've uh, leapfrogged Ren in the uh, in the process so yeah very much looking to be a uh, a two and a half maybe a three three um three team title race I, I still think Lille and PSg will be the two but um Leon are, are slowly but surely um proving impossible to to deny that they are they in this race with their results so uh, some yeah, big figures for
2: the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I I feel like um I feel like we can sort of draw a line underneath Monaco now. I feel I mean I mean you could argue you could draw a line before Monaco as well, but I Lord. long way to go. But yeah, you just sort of feel that it's just between those those three.
2: Well, Monaco um, are in good form, but you look at the teams they've beaten. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah. i
2: will only say that Montpellier one was impressive and they nearly threw that away.
0: Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, that is fair. I think the, the bigger tests are to come for, for the, the Monagas. We shall see how they get on. Um, you did mention it before, Jez, but uh, the, the lorient Neem game, unfortunately, was postponed. That's the second successive game that Lorient have had postponed. Um, just very briefly, I don't want to sort of go too deep into the politics of, of all this, but you mentioned it's a little bit harsh on St Etienne. Uh, how did do you sort of foresee this as being quite a quite an important element to the, the staying up of the relegation fight? Because i have now got to fit in two more games, um, both I mean, against rivals. Two
2: ways to look at it, I suppose. Either you can say, well, you know, they're they're getting a bit of a rest when no one else is, or well, later in the season they're gonna be sort of overworked or whatever, while others are, are you know, maybe having um Full weeks off in between matches, they're going to have to fit in a couple of midweek matches. So mm. I don't know, it depends either way. I mean, the same thing, you know, in a relegation battle, is it better to have games in hand um, or points on the board? So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, obviously, the fact that this one was against NIM mm. so, helps a little and that they're the bottom two at the moment. NIM probably a little bit more frustrated because. That they're coming off the win and probably would quite like to sort of go back on the pitch as quickly as possible to sort of try to maintain that dynamic but yeah.
0: So, no, uh, I, I, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think I'd rather have the points on the board. Um, yeah. But um, at the moment, I don't think Lorient could win a uh, two bold men fighting over the comb contest. So, you know, it's kind of one of those. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a difficult situation. We'll mention the, the bottom end in a second. But just before we do, Phil, you wanted to give some love to Bordeaux, as as yeah. I do as well. They they won 2-1 against Angers. Uh, Hu Zhou, I've got a bit of a soft spot for getting both goals. Out, out strengthening Triore was really impressive uh, for the second before Fulgenie, another man crush of mine, uh, scored a, a fantastic free kick for Onja, who I think it's fair to say were a little bit unlucky to not take something from the game of their second oh, half. Oh, it
1: was it was very much game of two halves here. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, Queens um, first goal uh, there was a wonderful kind of scramble with a defender managing to block an initial shot with his arse, and then the rebound went in, and then three minutes later, hang got his second, and it's like, oh, wow. Um, full genie free kick just before half-time to make it 2-1. But then in the second half, Angers really kind of turned it around, came right back into it, and there was some really good performances. Obviously, with the goal they scored, Costil didn't get his... 12th clean sheet of the season but he and Koscielny really saved them um, in that second half because Angers really showed a lot of fight and it was a really, really good game to watch and Bordeaux are up their level on points with Marseille so they're looking for a European place here and they're on good form and just playing really nicely they had had Benartha back after I think he's been out but what was talked about a lot was he was replaced around the hour mark by a young man who's I think 18, Tomaloku, who is seen as being a really big uh, prospect from the Bordeaux Academy and so there was kind of excitement about seeing him on the pitch but yeah, Koscielny, I'm sure you
0: uh, thinking oh, of with
1: misty eyes, yes. um, uh, was really solid at the back, holding things together as you know Bordeaux faced a lot in that second half. But those two goals from Wang in the first half uh, were enough. But really interesting to see how they're kind of hopping up the table after a good run of three wins on the spin. Yeah, so so uh, wait up to, to see what happens. What happens yes. with them at the weekend? Yeah, because uh, that is going to be a fun Friday night, people. It's Lyon versus Bordeaux.
0: On Absolutely. Friday. Yeah, that's that's my Friday night viewing. Certainly sorted. Um, and yeah, as you say, Bordeaux up to up to seventh in the table, level with Marseille. Who'd have thought? So it's, uh, yeah, it just goes to show what, what a run, you know, what sort of run you can put together. And uh, I, th- I think it'd be nice to see uh, a sort of Bordeaux back into the, you know, if not actually back in Europe, back in the hunt. For those European spots, because they have been playing some very decent football of late, and uh, yeah, good, good, uh, very watchable game as well. It's one of those ones that I tuned in with, sort of wasn't quite sure what we were going to get, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And Angers played their part, as you said, in that second half, in in particular. In uh, in terms of other results, uh, we saw a draw between Dijon and Strasbourg, which was a one-all draw. Uh, Jork, who else, got the uh, got the opener for got Strasbourg. Before Koulibaly equalised. Sorry, Jez, you wanted to come in. No, you said who else? So I said Diallo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I always try and miss that out for you, so I, so I can limit the pain. But uh, yeah, it never really works. But um, your lad, your lad's got a decent win. That's uh, beating Nantes by two goals to nil. No, uh, not getting
2: any better. Stay Bordeaux.
0: So uh, only Well, yeah, that's that's also true, yeah? You make a very fair point, 31 points in uh, eighth place, like you say, only a point
2: behind Bordeaux. As, uh, as a mess journalist pointed out, we inflicted on Dominic his first league and defeat in 1993. <laughs> I see
1: what you've done there. I, was, I saw that. That was
0: fun. I see oh. what you've done there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, we also saw... Uh, would you call it an upset probably uh, rams beating brast by one goal to nil i don't, I don't know would you rest
1: are upset? not on a good run of four. No, yeah, they, they were are, fighting yeah.
0: they're the mid table battling but brast just whereas no. whereas rams 3 3 wins out of 5 has sort of lifted them away from that danger zone uh, they're up to 14th now and uh, Buku with the winning goal in that particular game so yeah vital uh, vital win for them we also saw a, uh, a nice clean sheet. Yes, that's a nice clean sheet as they beat Lons by a goal to nil in the other game that we haven't mentioned. Uh, Yusuf Atal working his way back to fitness with the winning goal.
1: Yeah, he uh, limped off after the goal. Though. Yeah, ironically, I, mean, I was just going to say worked his uh, way
0: back down from fitness. From fitness is... to off to fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, Nice a very much needed result after their sort of recent trials and tribulations and um, it should be noted that uh, Saliba was was excellent in this particular game for those people who want to keep track of that but that snaps a, a sort of disappointing run for Nice and that gets them slightly head above water once again up into 12th place. So that was the weekend that was in League 1. Uh, we will mention the Coupe de France in a second, but just before we do, just want to look ahead to those fixtures coming up this week. Uh, as we said um, a brief moment ago, Lyon against Bordeaux has a bit of a tasty look about it on Friday night, uh, as does potentially Marseille-Rennes on Saturday, which for very different reasons, Montpellier-Lens is the early Saturday game. Then Marseille's the programme-
2: three matches of rennes and PSG.
0: So that first bit again.
2: Marseille's next three matches are... Um, Ren, Lance and PSG.
0: Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> realistically, for Avb, you, I mean, I, I would say any of he loses any two of those three, he's gone. I think maybe even only one. I mean, uh, we actually saying that a home defeat to Ren, you would suspect would be the end if that was to happen so maybe it's worth tuning in for that alone um we've also got uh nice and etienne on the sunday which yeah, that, might be. that could be
1: i think uh rich allen used to call things the catastrophico and various <laughs> things i mean that if that's two teams that are a bit fucked up at the minute
0: yeah that, that could be an interesting lunchtime watch does have the look of a game that, that might be worth tuning in for. I I agree. We've got uh, Angers, Nîmes, Brest, Mets, uh, Lorient, subject to Protocols, PSG. I can't wait. Uh, Strasbourg, Rams and uh, Lille, Dijon is the four o'clock game with Nantes, Monaco, uh, which, again, has the look of a, a decent watch about it as the Sunday I'm, evening game.
1: I'm actually really looking... When I'm watching the multiplex, I will be keeping my eye mostly on Strasbourg runs I think
0: mm. I'll be again, hiding behind the sofa for Lorient yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs>
1: um you know they're next to each other they're both in decent form they're both playing nice football I think that could be the one that obviously the multi will mostly be bing to give bing, bing goal at Lorient um yeah but uh, I think that will be, hopefully, uh, a good
0: watch because I'm not convinced by non-Monaco, frankly, I think Monaco will absolutely she asked them who, who so, is convinced uh, by by nont at the moment i think it would be fair to say <laughs> not, not many people but yeah no I, I completely understand what you mean it's uh yeah it could could be a, a decent weekend there's a couple of fixtures again as as indeed this past weekend was there's a few to look out for this weekend so we'll we'll see how they end up uh, just a very brief uh sort of glance over the Coupe de France um, and just give you a, a few ties that are upcoming. Um, but we saw Paris FC got through. We saw Ajaxio uh, go through. Osea went through. Toulouse also. Sosho, Khan all going through. Uh, in Sosho, terms of-
1: that was an Qatari El- of blessed memory at Montpellier. It was an alcatraz own goal that put Sosho through against Nancy.
0: Yikes. I... I-, I- I just feel bad about that. The worst possible way to go through in any time when you lose to uncle, as indeed I would know from the weekend. But still, let's move on. Um, in terms of the, the next stage, um, we've got uh, Cinemari against Club Francescine, I believe is, is pronunciation. Now that one just jumped well, off the page. Because cause...
1: the the overseas teams are kind of have their own... Section.
0: Section, yeah. yeah. Because yes, we've got bizarre. the
1: Ligue 1 Ligue 2 clashes over the midweek, 9th, 10th, and 11th of February. Yes. The non league stuff is happening all around us. Um, but this Saturday, the final one of the Outremer teams is sorting itself out. Club gang obviously, who we've seen a couple of times. Um, going a bit deeper in the post-Christmas period, everything's a bit obviously weird at the moment. Um, but we will have there some interesting uh, clashes between uh, the league and league 2 teams happening. And it's Con who have the uh, pleasure of hosting PSG, um, and who's got Leon.
2: Leonel are, uh, Leon, Leon
1: are hosting AC Ajaccio
0: yeah yeah
2: that's, um, to lose as well.
1: yes yeah and which uh, is not, always long. always fun and now they're in different divisions a good opportunity
0: for a Derby and we've got uh, Osea Marseille which is also another one that if you just said that like 15 years ago you just said it read really the top two in the 1 wouldn't you so yeah. that's got a, a bit of an appeal about it um yeah, elsewhere, just the pick of the games, probably uh, Omien, Metz, Nice, uh, Nîmes, Nice, Dijon, Lille, Cannes, PSG, Sosho, Saint Etienne. Also has a bit of a, a ring about it in terms of the old school There's days. But, of, yeah, it's yeah, a lot of, a of vintage Ren retro Ange. stuff here. Which which one? Sorry, um, Ren, Ren Ange, Yes, yeah, that's the Thursday. That's the Thursday offering. These are all played uh, thirty first. Week, in, th- week commencing thirty first, so next midweek. So it's um, Sunday is the Cinemari clubs, Yann and uh, the tuesday the 9th wednesday the 10th and thursday the 11th are so the rest of the games so um sort of full midweek packed in schedule if you will so uh, we'll we'll look back on on those results next week you'd imagine quite a lot of change sides in, in fairness next for week, those particularly
1: they won't
0: have... uh, sorry the week, week week after is... next <laughs> Week week after next, yeah, we'll I'm we'll
1: have where I am in the year. We'll, we'll have
0: we'll have potted before these these take place, but they're next yeah. midweek. So yeah, next uh, oh. this week week today essentially will be the first lot of games. So we'll preview that. We'll, we'll review. It's only January. Time. And
1: time is still confusing me.
0: No, anyway. We're all lost. We're all lost. Uh, anyway, um, that's pretty much it for this week. Just very briefly before we exit, uh, so to speak, there has been. Uh, exits this week from from Liga. Uh, probably the most high, high profile one would be Morgan Sanson's deal to uh, Villa. I that's like Villa that. that's gone through. I do as well. Yeah, I, I, I like so. that. I
1: obviously he's um, uh, close to my heart from his time at Montpellier when he was brought into in quotes replace Remy Cabella despite being yeah. a very different kind of player, but kind of ended up managing to do it anyway. Um, then moved to Marseille, which obviously was me, but I don't know a lot about Villa's squad or playing style, mm. but I'm hoping they do actually need a central midfielder. And if so, they've got a very good one and I look forward to him doing well.
0: Yes. he's yeah, a very absolutely.
1: nice and sensible young man and a very good footballer who yeah. frankly is probably thanking his lucky stars he's managed to get out of
0: Situation, <laughs> so exactly fair enough. <clears throat> yeah, that's absolutely that was the kind of the big high profile uh, move. We also saw uh, Kri- Kiprin uh, Diata join Monaco this week from Belgian football. Another player from Belgium joining a French team, so that we want to keep an eye on. Um, we mentioned Millet completing his deal to uh, to Marseille, and there still continues to be swirling rumours around uh, both Gaetan Laborde and Boulard Dia potentially joining West Ham who at time of recording are, uh, are winning away at Crystal Palace so maybe they don't need to go anywhere but uh, we shall see, we'll probably give you a full roundup of what goes on but bear in mind next week uh, subject to nobody forgetting their birthday, we'll probably be recording on the Monday so I imagine we'll, uh, with the transfer window I think it actually closes, uh, was it the 31st? I don't know whether they get an extra day because of it being a Sunday you know into me; that.
1: I I ignore the transfer window unless it's somebody I,
0: yeah, um, basically invested in. So what, what you need to know is if the transfers happen, we'll we'll make a list, and any of them that that have happened by the time we record, we'll let you know. Basically, that's that's probably the way to look at it. I saw the latest one of Jordan Amavi being linked with Arsenal; that was um, interesting, raised an eyebrow for me. But uh, yeah, whoever goes where or whoever comes into whom, will uh, we'll keep you abreast of that uh, on next week's show but uh, that will do us for this week a little bit shorter but um such is the way of the world uh, we're all doing random working from home schedules these days so we try and keep you as up to date with our french football as we can so hopefully you have enjoyed as usual if you've got any questions or queries anything you want to bring up uh, let us know and we will do our best to get to those in the coming weeks but uh, for now just remains me to thank both phil and jez for their time so thank you both thank, thank you, you. And uh, until next week, uh, especially if you're a Marseille fan, bury your head in the sand and try and enjoy your French football. We'll speak to you very soon.